Hello and welcome to These Are the Voyages. This episode of These Are the Voyages is brought to you by a bright, hopeful future for all mankind. Thank you. Welcome back to These Are the Voyages. I'm your host, Captain Chase McKinney, and man, what a wild ride it has been so far with this podcast. Now, for those of you that are just now joining us, this podcast is for really anyone. I mean, we're not we're not gatekeeping, we're we're not the old guard. Uh, none of that stuff. We're not elitists when it comes to Trek. This podcast is just about having fun together and talking Trek to explore all sorts of things when it comes to Star Trek. So that means that if you've been around for a while, great. If you're just now coming on, on board, great. We are so happy to have you here aboard on These Are the Voyages. So for this next part, I think we need a little bit of mood music to kind of get us in the right frame of mind as we uh, introduce something to the show. Something that we've been talking about for a while. So, computer. Play mood music. Direction unclear. Please repeat request. Computer, play something from the late 20th century. All right, guys. Are you ready? It's, I think it's, I think it's time for us to do this. I think it's time for us to reveal the name of the station and the name of the ship that we're all hanging out and that we're all calling home here at the podcast. So, without any further ado, I would like to let it be known that the name of our station will now be known as Lone Star Station. How about that, huh? Pretty creative, maybe? Not really? I don't know. And the ship that will be attached to this station will be the USS Vigilant. And that is registry number NCC-8717. So, um, there you go. We, we now have our ship, and we have our station. Most of the show is going to be conducted from the station. Now, whenever we have to go on to, um, uh, I guess, like... Air, uh, you know, missions of, of further exploration and, and 
boldly going together. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll get, on, get on the ship and things like that. And um, it'll, it'll be fun. So well, we're going to hang out at the station. Uh, we'll go down to um, like the the bar area and we'll we'll play some some Dom Jot and uh, we'll play some darts. We'll go to the hollow suite, things like that. We'll have some fun together. And uh, we're just going to make use of the space uh, while we're on the show. So welcome to Lone Star Station. So happy to have you. And uh, yeah, that's that's our station. So uh, please welcome, welcome this to the show. And uh, for any of you artists out there that um, would like to create um, an image, um, I would welcome any kind of creative art that you come up with um, to kind of maybe per, uh, give an idea of what the station could look like. So whether you want it to look like a, like a Deep Space Nine, like a, like a regular uh, one type of, type of station, that's cool too. Um, same thing with the ship. If you want to make it an Excelsior class or a Sovereign class, Galaxy class, uh, Constitution class, any class, really, if you want to make up a class and draw a ship to represent the USS Vigilant um, NCC-8717, uh, then get after it. Um, I want to encourage you guys in your creativity. I want you guys to feel like you have some ownership with the show. Uh, so please do take advantage of this. Uh, and if we get multiple submissions, then uh, we'll what we'll do is we'll uh, do a poll, we'll do some kind of voting, and we'll officially adopt it. And what I'd be willing to do is that if um, if we have enough contributions and we do this, uh, we can turn it into um, some shirts for um, uh, whether you're a Patreon member or not. This can just be like a general show shirt um, for those of you that listen. So uh, we'll we'll figure that out. But creatives, get after it. Um, have some fun with it, and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, thank you so far for what you do. Now let's go ahead and start talking a little uh, news, a little, a few updates, and go from there. Now, with that, we are are still moving forward and uh, still exploring. Um, all things Trek, which is part of the reason why you're here probably, is you maybe heard a friend or, or whatever um, tell you about the show or you just saw something about it on social media, whether that's been Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to uh, check it out, to try and find uh, a way to tell more people about this, to submit your ideas for future shows and to, to also like and follow us on these different social media platforms if you haven't already and to leave a comment you know really engage with us <laughs> see what I did there yeah that was good anyway uh, <laughs> sorry uh, I got dad jokes apparently uh, but seriously like, we want you to, to, to engage with us um, with the show so join our group on Facebook uh, we'd love to, to have you on there. We do um, polls and things like that and sharing of various Star Trek things. I know there are folks that are listening that come from other podcasts um, that I'm, I also listen to. So whether you are a fan of Lord of the Rings, you're a fan of Star Wars or Narnia 
uh, Game of Thrones, whatever it might be, uh, really anything, um, connect with us on the Facebook group and uh, let's see what happens. Let's see where it goes and um, love to hear your Trek story about um, how you discovered Trek or were first exposed to Trek and kind of how it's been ever since. Um, so make sure that you um, that you do that, that you send us a note uh, through any of our social medias um, or that you uh, give us a call or um, an email and just know that your stories, your comments might be used in an episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, there was uh, some recent news that broke that um, I wanted to talk about and just cover um, that has to do with another Star Trek podcast. And this isn't intended to say um, do or don't listen to this other podcast I'm going to be talking about. It's just going to be just a raw reaction to um, just to the show uh, that that I, along with um, a good chunk of my friends that are into into Trek, also have listened to, and uh, just just go with it. Um, there's a there's a show that uh, I I listened to. I've been listening to for gosh, I want to say like a year and a half, maybe two years at least by now, at the time of this recording, and. It was originally pitched to me by my good friend uh, Nick. Uh, so thank you, Nick, for uh, telling me about the uh, the podcast called Mission Log. And the way that I was exposed to it was there. Was, it was still at a time, uh, which was fairly recent, where I just couldn't get into Deep Space Nine. And I was talking to him about it, and he was telling me that these these folks that these hosts uh john champion john champion and ken ray were uh doing episode by episode uh through the entire star trek catalog and that includes the animated series from the 70s and he's like you know they're about to get to deep space nine so you should uh check it out maybe just take it one episode at a time that'll help you really get into it and uh I, I actually think I started from the beginning with it, like listening, all going back, uh, listening to uh, the original Star Trek series, um, the animated series, the next gen, um, and kind of jumping in here and there to listen to Deep Space Nine. Um, but it was really before I, I started listening to the Deep Space Nine episodes that are podcasts that I actually did start watching the show Deep Space Nine again and giving it um, a good a good shot and that I officially gave it like a real shot um, I guess that was around July or August of 2018 so it's still pretty recent that I started watching it and uh, the only reason I remember this because I remember laying on the couch in our master bedroom uh, watching it as I was packing to go um, for a week-long residency for uh, school and like most early seasons of Trek, it's, it's kind of rough. <laughs> Not going to lie. Most early seasons of Star Trek are rough. And in my opinion, the litmus test for it really 
um, having like staying power or just being good or whatever the heck you want to call it really comes in at the season three mark so you can you can say what you want about a star trek show um if you want to judge it by season by a season three kind of performance um that's going to be a good indication of if it will last or not typically i think the anomaly with that of course um, is with star trek the original series or simply put just star trek as well as uh, star trek enterprise uh, both of them had unique situations star trek uh, with william shatner and company they lasted only three seasons um, and it just went nuts in syndication kind of like we were talking about with the last episode that was about gene roddenberry and star trek enterprise which came out um, in the early 2000s uh, 2001 to be exact um, that lasted four seasons and star trek enterprise gets a lot of flack i think of a lot of undue flack for it um, it was really good trek it was a different trek it was just really good and um, i wish it would have lasted longer um, i find myself watching star trek enterprise um a lot to me it has a lot of uh repeat rewatch value and uh, it, it's just a good show it, it's a really good show i like the fact that it's set in the the 22nd century so we're we're not too far removed from where we are today um, I mean, it's taking place, um, gosh, what is it, like about a half century to a century after uh, First Contact. And um, anyways, it's just good, but I'm getting, I'm getting off track. So Deep Space Nine, I gave, it, I gave it a shot because of this particular podcast. And I got to say, Deep Space Nine, after really giving it a shot, it is now, I think, my second favorite star trek series to watch and i want to watch it again and for those of you that have watched star trek i'm curious you know where does where does star trek deep space nine fall in your your uh i guess ranking system of you know favorite trek to least favorite trek um, in terms of the television shows right so that includes the original series the animated series the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and now Discovery. Discovery premiered in uh, 2017. So uh, we're, we're two seasons in, about to have a third season with Discovery. So just, if you wouldn't mind, send us send us a note, leave a comment, post something on um, on the Facebook group, and let's let's hear about it. Um, but listening, listening to Mission Log was very good because it was there was it was almost like a void there was a void in uh my my little trekky heart at the time uh because i had watched next generation i had watched all of of star trek and all i own all the movies um and i just i just wanted something more i wanted to be able to engage more and listen more and just be more in that Roddenberry universe more and this was an opportunity to really talk about a show to, to listen to and talk about a show that um, was was just good for me I mean I just really enjoyed Star Trek um, like a lot of you do and um, recently there was news that broke um, 
um, on, what was it, Roddenberry.com, that one of the hosts for Mission Log, Ken Ray, is um, leaving the show. So for anyone that's been to conventions or that's listened to Mission Log, you know that he brings a certain type of joy and he brings a certain type of um, just humor. And I don't know, it's like a... He's just you just can you can connect with him so easily. I think that's partly why it kept me coming back. Like Ken was really instrumental in keeping me coming back. I really enjoyed his recaps. I really enjoyed his wit, his humor, uh, and it really it really came down to him focusing more on you know his own uh, generating income type of thing. That's really what it came down to because he, he runs his own podcast where he was making a lot of money and it's a daily podcast that he does um, on Apple News and, and things like that and it, it just it wasn't um, there wasn't like much in the way of income for for mission log for him and uh, I know that, that John Champion uh, is going to do well with running the show and and and, and continuing to talk Trek and, and things like that, kind of like we're, we're talking Trek. Uh, they have a different mission. They have a different uh, way about, you know, the, the format of their show and what they do and things of that nature. And that is totally fine. Um, but it's, it's just, it's not going to be the same. And I think that goes without saying that it's not going to be the same because Ken's gone. And I'm really going to miss that. I really am. Um, it just it just sucks. It just sucks. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm being a wet blanket um, by talking about about Ken and about the show that way. Um, Ken was my favorite host um, on the show, and I'm just I'm just really gonna miss him. And that's just really what it comes down to. Um, I don't want to say it, it felt like a kinship or anything like that, but he was just so easy to relate to and just so easy to listen to um there are hosts out there and i'm sure for some people i might be this way where there are certain hosts that it might be off-putting might be difficult to stomach at times and for those of you listening to me uh, if i've made you feel that way either you know on this show or on reframed or any other show that i've guest hosted on my, my sincere apologies for that, y'all. Um, but times change, and and I believe that Mission Log will continue to do well. I mean, you gotta you gotta think about this. That when the the idea was pitched, it was they were gonna do this week by week, pretty much, of each episode of all of Star Trek. That's the TV shows and the movies. So. You know, the original commitment was basically 14 years without even realizing it. And now with, you know, um, all the J.J. Trek movies and with the the new show, Star Trek Discovery, now being in its third season, and then with Star Trek Picard about to premiere and Lower Decks and all these other, like Section 31 is a rumored show, um it's just going to get progressively longer and longer. Um, but I wish them well. I wish, I wish, wish mission log well. 
um, and I hope they, I hope and I pray they continue to boldly go and continue to have really excellent discussions of morals, meanings, and messages like they already do about each episode. And um, I, I wish Ken, uh, Mac OS Ken, um, nothing but, but well wishes and the great success in his endeavors with his podcast and with the things that he does. Uh, so good job, gents. Um, you've been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful addition to have uh, with, with Star Trek Entertainment in general. And um, I, I got to say that part of, the, part of the difficulty in coming up with a show concept <laughs> was just thinking about all the podcasts that are out there and uh, Mission Log being, being the one that I listened to the most. I knew that uh, if I did um, like an episode-by-episode episode recap, that it would, it would to me, it would feel like a cheap knockoff. And we will do that eventually. We'll do those like as specials or, or we'll figure out times to do that. That's why it was just important to have fun and just talk about whatever when it comes to Star Trek. So um, thank you guys for sticking with me uh, this long. I do want to encourage you uh, that if you are a Star Trek fan, first, thank you for listening to this podcast. I pray that you continue to come back. There are There's an entire library of other Star Trek podcasts out there. Um, and you've probably already discovered them. You've probably already listened to Mission Log. So, again, thank you for listening to this little old uh, podcast that we're putting together. So for some of you that have watched Star Trek Deep Space Nine or, or just have been around for a while and you're aware of, of the characters or, or you might have heard of some news that, that dropped recently in the last, uh, I think it's been month to two months by now at the time of this recording, uh, there was a, an actor named Aaron Eisenberg who played a Ferengi character, and we're going to talk about the Ferengi, don't worry. Um, Aaron Eisenberg was, um, uh, he was about 50 years old whenever he, he recently, unexpectedly, passed away. And he was so very grateful to uh, Star Trek and to the experience with Star Trek uh, and what he was afforded by you know, the portrayal of the character and his growth. And I got to say, like, his character Nog had a phenomenal, phenomenal story arc. Um, he went and started off, I mean, he was still, he was really considered a minor character in the grand scheme of things. But he played uh, just a friend of, of Jake, uh, who's the son of Captain Sisko in, um, in Deep Space Nine. And he evolved. He, he had so much character depth over the course of, you know, the, the run of the show that he was in. And there have been these petitions that have been signed for, uh, for like a statue of Nog to appear uh, somewhere in Star Trek Picard um, come 2020. And um, I was reading this that um, Alex Kurtzman, who um, is more or less running current uh, Star Trek right now, this, this resurgence of Star Trek, that um, he's he's aware of it he's aware of the of the desire for for it to happen and he want him and the, the creative team are wanting to uh you know 
include him and honor him in some way. They just haven't figured out quite how to do it yet. The the company that's going to be making um, a ship um, that's not part of official canon, it's called Hero Collector, uh, and you can check them out. We are in no way sponsored by them yet. Don't worry about it. Uh, this is not a plug, unless it is a plug. I don't know. Uh, there are there are different manufacturers of ships out there. There's Hero Collector, like I'm talking about. There's Eagle Moss. Uh, so you might have heard of either of these. But um, in in a video game called Star Trek Online, uh, which you can play on PC, you can play on PlayStation, I think even Xbox. I might be wrong on that though. Uh, they have what's considered non-canon stories and Nog eventually reaches the rank of captain and he's given his own ship. Um, now I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this. Um, I think it's USS Chimera or Chimera? I think it's Chimera. Uh, anyway, that's his ship and um, anyways they have this, they have a, a die cast ship that they're they're making for Captain Nog and what he uh, you know commanded. So if you're in any way interested in that and you're just as excited about the fact that Nog is going to get not only his ship, that he got his ship, but that we can get this tiny little ship and, you know, display it, um, you know, in our, in our homes, in our offices. So you might want to check that out. With that, let's go ahead and jump right in. Operations. So recently we had some polls uh, on our Facebook group and if you haven't connected with us on the Facebook group yet I can't encourage you enough to do that. Uh, we have a lot of really cool folks that are in there. Uh, we're just having a good time together. And uh, anyways, a number of polls have come about, and uh, some of which have been about what's your favorite Star Trek show, what's your, uh, what's your preference on where to get someone started when it comes to introducing them to Star Trek. And uh, the first poll that we have on our group was uh, by Amanda Ryan, so thank you, Amanda. Um, and the question was, so what's everyone's favorites of the Star Trek series? And we have, we have all of them on there, included the animated series, uh, which a lot of folks haven't watched. And uh, the, the top three, um, and, and I guess like the top three were pretty much equally tied. Um, all of them had uh, uh, the same number of votes, uh, but that was uh, in no particular order the next generation, Deep Space Nine, and Enterprise. And I love the fact that Enterprise made the cut. Uh, for some reason, people just don't get on board with Enterprise and they give it a really hard time. I really enjoyed the show and I think it's fun. There's just something about, uh, about that show with uh, Captain Archer and it being in the 22nd century, like I was, I think I said in a previous episode, how it's just, it's so much closer to our, our time frame um, as a, as a fictional show, um, that it, it still shows struggles um, with, with technology and 
growing and things like that, but it still has that optimism that Star Trek, I believe, is is known for. So I love the fact that Enterprise made the cut. Now, the um, the other ones, of course, um, original series got two votes. Voyager got two votes for uh, favorites. Um, the poll hasn't closed, so if you really want to still go and vote and just sound off with your, your favorites, then get after it. Have some fun with it. Uh, go go click. Um, some of the comments uh, was, um, let's see if I can get to it. The, uh, the only ones I've really watched uh, were Enterprise and Voyager. Enterprise I was addicted to while it was airing, and I remember catching random Voyager marathons on the weekends. Uh, LeVar Burton being in it is really what got me interested in watching Star Trek in the first place, and to this day, I don't think I've seen more than a couple full episodes of The Next Generation. It's on my list of things to binge if I ever have time again, says Amanda Ryan. So thank you for that. Uh, let's see, we have another comment uh, from CJ Peterson, who is a new member of the group, a new listener, so thank you, CJ for your comment uh, coming up, which is, in fairness, I haven't seen the last two, meaning the animated series and Star Trek Discovery. Otherwise, the answer is yes to all, and I, I would agree with that. Um, there there are some that you're going to go back to more than others, and that's kind of to be expected with any likes and preferences and stuff like that. So um, let's see here. We have a, another poll and this particular poll is going to uh, impact the show more uh, in more than one way uh, so what I'm getting at with this question the question was that I posed if we were to do a podcast episode um, or episodes where we have a person that's never seen Star Trek uh, which show would you start them off on and have them discuss their re- reactions to initially so what we did was, we posted all the shows that are out there right now, like a part of main canon. I'm not talking Star Trek uh, continues. I'm not talking about Prelude to Axnar, none of that stuff. Um, if you haven't seen them, they're very high quality, and I highly recommend them. I'm pretty sure you can still find them on YouTube. So that's Star Trek continues, and that's also Prelude to Axnar. And, um, anyways, love both of them. They're great. Um, the, the one that got the most responses uh, with... Uh, among the shows was Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, And what we're going to be doing, we're going to be introducing this idea uh, later on in the show uh, about what this is going to look like, who's going to be doing it, and maybe kind of like the frequency, or at least we'll we'll try and talk about the frequency. Um, Just in case I don't get around to it uh, with, with the guest, we're probably looking at maybe... Um, like a once a month episode that's going to be dedicated strictly to talking uh, multiple episodes of what's going to be right now, Star Trek The Next Generation. So what I want to do is if if you're like Amanda or you know maybe other folks that have never seen Next Generation or just never seen Star Trek in general and you're listening to this podcast, first off, welcome. You're very welcome here. Uh, we can, we'll hook you up with a room here on the station and you can call this place home. This is you're among friends, okay? So there's zero judgment. We want you to to really appreciate and enjoy Star Trek in your own way, and and that's okay. That's that's what we're encouraging with this podcast. But what we're going to do is 
we're going to have someone who, whether they do the entire series, and uh, maybe we can get like a little mob rule on that on whether you want them to do the entire series, uh, maybe do uh, parts of it where they do like a, a couple seasons, take a break, someone else does it, and then we come back to the original person. We'll, we'll talk about that later on. But we're going to have a mega episode on this. And I, when I say mega episode, I'm talking probably like regular length, maybe a little longer, where it might be closer to like an hour and a half, maybe two hours, where we're just talking Trek. We're talking these episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, getting reactions. So we'll probably be doing like three or four episodes at a time for that particular podcast episode here on These Are the Voyages. So if you are not now watching Star Trek The Next Generation, over the next couple weeks, I would highly encourage you to, to hop on whatever streaming device you want to to watch this stuff. Go to like a Half Price Books, a Best Buy, a whatever. Borrow the DVDs, um, buy the DVDs, the Blu-rays, whatever it is for you that you, however you want to watch it. Now is a great time to start watching so that you can react with, with us, with the, with the guests that we're going to have doing this. And so we can just boldly go together and make it so. Uh, it's a really exciting thing that we're doing with the show. It was part of the original idea, the original vision of These Are the Voyages. So I'm really excited about that, and I, I think it's going to be uh, a really easy entry point for anyone, whether you've watched it, watched Next Gen 15 times, or you've never seen a single second of it. Um, this is great. It's absolutely great. So. If I'm sounding like a broken record, it's just because I'm so stinking excited. I, I love this show. I think it's great. And um, I'm really excited to see um, how my friend, um, and he, he might be a friend to some of y'all too, that, that know him. So um, how, how he responds to it as well. So we'll have more information. We'll have more of a premise on that. Um, I'll, I'll do like a little introduction later on in the episode that you're currently listening to. So just um, stand by and um, just hang out. Uh, until we get to that point. Now, in in other news um, that has recently dropped, there has been um, screenshots of um, some images for Star Trek Discovery uh, Season 3 in which there's this new potential new com badge that, that has been seen by two of the, um, the actors, uh, Wilson Cruz, who plays the chief medical officer in Star Trek Discovery, was seen wearing something um, in a Twitter post that came up uh, fairly recently, and it was immediately deleted. So there, we're learning more and more, uh, or at least we think we're learning more and more about what's going to be happening in this next season of Discovery. Um, like, why are there so few stars on this um, potential Federation flag? Why is the Federation the way that it is? What's going on with the Delta badge, the Com badge, whatever you want to call it? Um, at this time in, in the story. So uh, there's more information that's coming about with that, and we'll just we'll see where it takes us. We'll see what happens. As I was scrolling through Twitter, I follow um, pretty much all the Star Trek actors, and um, for those of you that know me, um, if you don't know me that well, you will know now that um, whenever I cosplay, um, among the things that I cosplay besides the 10th Doctor from Doctor Who or Indiana Jones or Nathan Drake um, or Remus Lupin from Harry Potter or, or young Albus Dumbledore from the Fantastic Beasts 
um, movie series. The other main Star Trek character that I cosplay is Commander, later Captain William T. Riker. And as I was on Twitter and looking through some things, I see this this uh, this tweet from him where it says, um, I think, Department of Shameless Plugs, and he's on this thing called Cameo. And uh, Cameo is this uh, service, I believe, uh, as far as I understand it, where you can pay a celebrity to do a custom message for you or for a friend uh, with varying uh, price points. And um, I would I know that as a, as a Star Trek fan, I would love something like that. And they also have Sean Astin on there from Lord of the Rings and Stranger Things and Goonies and things like that. But he's significantly more expensive. He's closer to three hundred dollars. Uh, but you can go um, and check it out. And if you if you want to do something like that, can get after it. Again, I'm not being sponsored by him, so they're just getting free advertisement right now. How about that? Um, but I, just, I thought it was cool. So if you're a Riker fan and you want to. Um, send that to someone um, or, or have it be a gift to yourself. Um, check it out and um, I just want to put a plug in for that because I thought it was pretty neat. Now today um, those are some just some of the announcements and um, today there's there's uh, an area of Trek that I would like to talk about and kind of see where it takes us in terms of I don't know, just general interest and um, kind of adding to the trek. I'm probably going to be jumping around a little bit in terms of the timeline. I don't necessarily want to go in strict sequential order. I want to kind of keep it fresh. So uh, last time we did talk about Gene Roddenberry and his creation of um, Star Trek, the idea behind it, kind of his backstory in terms of how he got into it and the impact that he made on... um, basically Hollywood and entertainment and just sci-fi genre entertainment in general. As we prepare for the uh, the rewatch of Star Trek with um, our yet-to-be-revealed guest, which you'll be hearing about here very shortly, um, I want to talk a little bit about the history of Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, I know last week we talked about Gene Roddenberry, or at least the last episode we talked about Gene Roddenberry, and just the genesis of what that was like with creating the show. Now, um, that was in the 60s, and um, the show went off the air after about, uh, it was three seasons that it went off the air. Um, And... We're, we're hopefully going to do another episode or do a special episode um, here in the near future about how Star Trek and Star Wars influenced each other and how Star Wars actually helped contribute to the resurrection, in a sense, of Star Trek. And I know that there are Trekkies and Force users that it's like does not compute, let's not play in the same sandbox kind of thing, but, you know, there was a turf war that was created unnecessarily, and they're both enjoyable forms of sci-fi one's more philosophical and the other is a space opera and there's nothing nothing wrong with that but what i want to do is uh, knowing that we're gearing up for like i said a next gen rewatch based on the poll that we were just talking about um, i kind of want to talk a little bit about 
uh, about this show, how it was developed, um, kind of like some of the history behind it, just a little bit. So when we when we think about the original cast uh, with you know Shatner and company, uh, like Spock and Bones and you know all those guys and gals, um, they they were making these movies in the 70s and 80s, mainly the 80s and then into the first part of the 90s. And as it went on, the cast members were wanting more money. And so it goes with most productions that that's just, it is what it is. So what ended up happening is there had to be a way to generate more income to meet demand for higher salaries, basically. So enter uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, this was uh, right around the time that The Voyage Home and um, then eventually uh, Star Trek The Final Frontier came about. So we're looking at about uh, between 1984 and 1986-7 that the, the salary requirements basically are driving uh, production costs up and they're and like I said the studio is trying to figure out how to make more money so they go back to what Gene Roddenberry was trying to do and that was trying to revive Star Trek originally there was this idea called Star Trek Phase 2 which was supposed to be um, a continuation of the stories uh, within Star Trek uh, that the, the original cast had done and it probably would have featured some different folks, um, like in the in the center chair, the captain's chair. Uh, and we and when we look at at the multiple attempts that have happened, uh, we we look really at Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Um, what had happened was, uh, show goes off the air in '69. Um, it's and it does well in reruns and syndication and stuff like that. And it's not until um, uh, the 70s, um, you know, there have been some some animated. Se- there's been the animated series that's kind of come about along the way as well, and we look and and Star Wars comes out in 1977, I believe. Uh, you Trekkies and Warsians, you can kind of correct me if I'm I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that that Star Wars came out in 1977. That sounds right. Um, Along the way, Star Trek actually inspired George Lucas. And Star Wars comes out, and then the studios are seeing, oh my gosh, like people are totally eating up this sci-fi thing. We need to get on board. So they, Gene Roddenberry had come up with like this Phase 2 bit, um, this new Star Trek series that just didn't take. So he took these story concepts and, and kind of dumped, dumped parts of them into what we now know as Star Trek The Motion Picture. And uh, that came out 40 years ago, if you can believe it. 1979 is when Star Trek The Motion Picture came out. Holy cow. And within that, uh, it didn't do too well. And we, we kept seeing Star Wars movies coming out with you know the sequels like Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And we had some, some folks here and there that... We're like, we can do this. We can make it better. And um, it really, in Star, anyways, Star Wars really impacted uh, later production of it. So that's kind of a brief backstory of 
how the production kind of shifted in, in terms of like story concepts and how that led to higher salaries. And uh, when we when we look a little more at uh, at like concepts, you know, Gene Roddenberry's first attempt to mount a new uh, Trek live action series came roughly a decade before uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, it came about as a result of you know, like I was saying, the sudden explosion of these Star Trek reruns. It just it was gathering up. Um, um, a whole slew of people who had never seen the show, and um, and it just it just really took off. And when DC Fontana or Dorothy Fontana, who's an original series writer, um, who was also an associate producer on Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, and who was also a co-writer of the pilot Encounter at Farpoint, um, was was describing how that there were like six scripts that were developed, which was what was going to be called Star Trek Phase Two, um, and Paramount was saying, "Don't we have a franchise show that we could um, do something with, like in in relation to Star Wars and getting something on the big screen?" And that's where the idea for the series came. Um, and it was in late 1986, in the fall, that uh, Gene Roddenberry called DC Fontana and was saying something along the lines of. I'm interested in getting a new uh, Trek on the road. And there was this outline of how he wanted um, it to be sometimes, or sometime after the original series. So he wanted a new cast, new characters, and he invited um, some of the original series writers and part of the creative team to really pen it and put it together. Um, Roddenberry also persuaded a, a young Paramount TV executive, uh, which we know as Rick Berman, to leave his post and to really oversee the new Star Trek and join production full time as a supervising producer. So Rick Berman was, has been really involved in um, like 80s and 90s Trek. So next generation onward, he's been heavily involved in it. There were um, there were some things that Berman outlined as reasons not to do it. One was it's a sequel, and sequels typically haven't done well on television. And uh, the second one was it's science fiction in the 80s. Science, uh, science fiction or sci-fi just wasn't successful, kind of like it is today. I mean, we had shows like Doctor Who that had been around since uh, just before... Uh, Star Trek. In fact, uh, Doctor Who premiered the day after Kennedy was assassinated, for any of you Whovians out there that uh, might not have known that. Um, so there was a lot of histor historical significance with Doctor Who in that. But um, the third the third reason for not doing it was it was going to be syndicated and it wasn't going to be necessarily a network program. Um, but in the end, he ultimately decided to do it. Um, they just determined that Star Trek The Next Generation was going to be a more thoughtful show more uh, and have more diplomatic captain who uh, hangs out more on the bridge than he does going on away teams, which was a stark contrast to Captain Kirk and the original crew of, um, of the Enterprise. And um, that it was going to be a much larger Enterprise, that it was going to have um, over a thousand people, both uh, you know, Starfleet and civilians alike, that there were going to be families involved, and uh, that's kind of what made it stand out and what made it kind of cool. 
in the long run with um, like comparing it and, and separating it out from the original show. And there were some pretty interesting ideas for uh, some of the characters. Uh, Gene Roddenberry, um, um, I don't know if I should say, I'm going to say it anyway. So it's, it's no secret that Gene Roddenberry wanted one of the characters on Star Trek The Next Generation to have multiple breasts. So uh, that was Deanna Troy, which is just kind of weird, and it was just a flat-out no. Um, and, it was, and it was just a flat-out no. And that just thinking about that, that would have been really weird and awkward um, to, sh- to show there, especially knowing the character now. It's just, it's just weird. Um, now, in terms of design for the ship, um, by the time Christmas of 86 rolled around, there were a bunch of essentials for uh, the new Star Trek that were settled. Um, DC Fontana, like I said, who was um, part of the original team of original Star Trek, was um, hired to write the pilot, and it was supposed to be a mystery about a strange alien outpost called uh, Farpoint Station, and... Roddenberry um, at that point was putting together the team to build the sets and the gadgets and the, the terminals and all the other stuff. Um, Paramount and other other producers and, and folks like that thought that Gene was just trying to recreate his original series and uh, that it, it probably wasn't going to be much more than a pilot. So I think that's I think that's something worth pointing out because when you look at really the first season, you see a lot of callbacks to um, adventures and stories that happened in um, in the original series. So uh, you, I think it's like episode two or three. Um, there's like Naked Now, Naked Time, and it's essentially like a carbon copy. Um, like I said, it's essentially, it's not a complete copy, but it's pretty darn close to uh, what happened um, back in the 60s, uh, just as an example. Um, Gene Roddenberry wanted there to still be this bright, hopeful, optimistic view on the future, so it was a very humanistic perspective. And he was very much an innovator. He was very much about people working together and there not being drama, there not being conflict among the cast um, or along, uh, among the main characters. Uh, there could be no conflict. So that was something that kind of made it a little difficult for the writers to have that conflict. Um, and that had to main, only come from the other folks, the guest cast that was coming on board. Um, and this was something that kind of perpetuated throughout the remainder of 80s and 90s Star Trek um, until we get to um, a show where it kind of tweaks that a little bit and goes in a different direction, and that would be Star Trek Deep Space Nine, for those of you that have seen it. Um, One of the producers, um, Okuda, said that one way that people try to show that things are advanced is you have a lot of blinky, flashing lights, and... Uh, 
Akuda wanted to try and go in the opposite direction and wanted to show that this ship was so advanced that it was simple. I really like that, um, like looking at the the lights, the the bars, the everything like that, um, the terminals. It just looks so clean and 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 very engaging and open. And I really enjoy the the design, um, the aesthetic, the aesthetics of the. Uh, Enterprise D, the NCC 1701D, which is what Captain Picard, and that's the ship that that, that Captain Picard is the captain of, and um, and is the commander of, and um, you know the ship for this particular show. Um, there were multiple uh, cast ideas. Um, in fact, Marina Sirtis and Denise Crosby had auditioned for um, each other's opposite roles that they ended up getting. So uh, Marina Sirtis, who we know was cast, uh, or, or we might know, was cast as uh, Counselor Deanna Troy, and Denise Crosby was cast as uh, Tasha Yar, the security chief in season one. And like I said, they had auditioned for opposite roles in the series. Uh, and. Gene and everyone else decide to switch it, to switch it up, and basically the rest is history. Um, it's gone on record. Uh, uh, Patrick Stewart has gone on record with saying that he uh, didn't think the show was going to stick, and he actually didn't un- unpack his suitcase for. Um, I think the last I heard was, um, I think six weeks. If I'm not mistaken, or was it six months? It was a good chunk of ch- good chunk of time. Six weeks is what it was. Um, that he didn't unpack his, he really didn't settle in or, or anything like that because he just didn't think it was going to take. And um, anyways, he was he was wrong about that, guys. Uh, seven seasons later, uh, the show ran from 1987 to 1994. Uh, May of 1994 is when it went off the air. And um, with the, the two-part finale, um, all good things, dot, dot, dot. Uh, so it started with Encounter at Farpoint, and it ends with all good things. Now, this, this particular show uh, has been lauded as having uh, the best ensemble cast and, uh, with Michael Dorn, with Jonathan Frakes, Maria Sirtis, LeVar Burton, Patrick Stewart, of course. Uh, Brent Spiner, who um, is a comedian of sorts. Uh, you could have seen him on a Night Court um, at the time. In the, I believe that would have been the 70s and the 80s. Uh, I've seen several videos of him in Night Court, and he's just absolutely hilarious. So him going from a comedian to basically playing a straight man is just phenomenal. Now, uh, this cast has generated, it has perpetuated... Uh, multiple movies uh, so immediate, shortly after the uh, the television series uh, went off the air they had immediately started production on Star Trek Generations which was the first uh, Star Trek The Next Generation cast of movies and uh, they ended up creating four movies uh, Generations, First Contact, Insurrection and Nemesis Nemesis came out in 2002 so for 15 years, from 1987 to 2002, we got to hang out with this, with these cast of characters and get to know them, get to love them, 
And for those of you that are starting out right now and learning about this, what a fantastic opportunity uh, to really, you know, see if you like them yourself and, and see where these adventures will take you as you boldly go um, into the 24th century. Now, there's a lot that happens between Encounter and Farpoint and when we say goodbye to the cast in uh, 2002's Star Trek Nemesis. So, if, if this is your first time watching it, would you leave us a comment? Please leave us a comment um, on our Facebook group um, and, and let us know. For those of you that have watched it multiple times, would you leave us a comment also, please, so that we can um, we can just kind of know what the landscape looks like. And if you if you're brand new or you're watching it and you're going on this journey with us right now, and you have someone that's kind of never given Trek a chance because it's they think it's weird or they just had a bad ex- negative experience, would you just extend a hand of friendship to them and invite them to? Um, not only listen to this podcast, but to also, you know, uh, check out uh, the show with us as we as we start this. Now, what I'm about to do is we're going to um, we're going to go ahead and meet the person that's going to be doing this rewatch with us. So um, just go ahead and stand by, hang out with me, and we're going to uh, beam them aboard. Uh, the station as they uh, come in from a transport uh, from Earth. So uh, just stand by. Let me um, let me get some things arranged, and I'll um, let the transporter chief to know uh, to be on board when we're ready. So uh, uh, that's all I got. So just hang on for a second. Operations to transporter room. One to beam up. All right, guys. Well, I'm so incredibly privileged to have one of my friends here today uh, on the show. Uh, some of you will have known him, you've met him, probably interacted with him in some way. I'm talking about the man, the myth, the legend, the wizard that keeps us all in check with um, the archives and all things Lord of the Rings. I'm talking about Phyllis in Phil Seidel. Welcome aboard, Phil. Glad that you're able to beam aboard and uh, be on the show with us. How's it going? That was quite the introduction. Uh, thank you very much for that. You're I'm most glad welcome. to be here. Good. So, was that your first time beaming? Was that weird for you? A little bit. A little tingly. A little tingly? My whole body fell asleep. <laughs> okay. Was it like just one side or was the entire body that you felt like it fell asleep? It was the entire body. It was the entire body. Okay, that's good to know. Sweet. So, so you know, as I was saying, you're you you're pretty heavily involved with Lord of the Rings and and um, stuff like that. You do your own podcast. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about um, your podcast, and maybe we can get them listening to yours as well. All right. Yeah. So I run the History of Middle Earth podcast. Uh, it's basically a super in depth look at the people and places of Middle Earth. Um, okay. Each week we pick one, sometimes two, depending on how in-depth um, people or places, and just dive into the 
history of it back from the very beginning up through the Lord of the Rings era and afterwards. Okay. Okay. And um, how far along are you um, into it? Like, are you are you picking um, things like in a hodgepodge kind of manner? Or are you going in a specific order? What What's that look like? Uh, we're kind of going in the order by the book. Um, so, like, the very first episode was all about the Shire and the beginnings of it and whatnot. And now we just did the, the most recent episode was the Barrel Whites and the Barrel Downs. And the next episode will be about the town of Bree and probably added something else there because there's not too, too much about Bree uh, in their history. But uh, basically just kind of follows the order of the book. Starts in the beginning of the fellowship and working our way up through. <clears throat> excellent. Excellent. That sounds like fun. I, I, I listen to your show and I really enjoy it. Um, you, you really break it down Barney style in terms of like the information um, that's in the book. And I know that for some people, Tolkien can be a little, um, intimidating just at the outset. Um, and to have you as, as the guide through middle earth, as you so eloquently put in your show, um, is, is great. And, um, I really like your, your question and answer segments. One of my favorites, um, on your show. Um, so for anyone that wants to maybe, um, check out your show, uh, how can they listen? How can they find you? Yeah, so we have a Facebook page, uh, History of Middle-Earth Podcast. We have a Facebook group, which doesn't work, so <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> and we, we're on Instagram, History of Middle-Earth Pod, and I think that's about it. And then the Discord page, uh, too, but yeah. Okay. Okay, so a lot of opportunities to be able to connect and interact uh, with you and, and other listeners talking about the ins and outs of Lord of the Rings and Tolkien in general. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> so, you know, as much as, as I enjoy um, nerding out and, and talking what little I know about Lord of the Rings, uh, we're not we're not doing that today for, for a change. Uh, yeah, it's going to be different for me. It's, it's going to be very <laughs> different for you. So uh, there was a recent poll in, uh, that was put out there to kind of inquire about which show um, you would introduce someone to first um, that might not have ever experienced Star Trek. And the one that seemed to garner the most amount of votes was, in fact, Star Trek The Next Generation, the 1987 series, the uh, one that um, is more or less a direct continuation of just Star Trek, or as we call it now, Star Trek The Original Series. Um, and I believe uh, whenever I was kind of pitching this idea to you, Phil, you were, um, I think you were initially interested in Next Gen. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, basically, I mean, I was kind of going off the polls, too, of what everybody kind of liked the most. And having no experience there was kind of figured, well, I should probably start there to really get me sucked in before I try the more challenging stuff. Sure. Now, have you, this might go without saying, but have you had any kind of exposure to any Star Trek? Um, yes and no. I, I'm a big fan of the J.J. Like, J. Abrams trilogy, like series, uh, the main, the movies, uh, with the Chris Pine as Captain Kirk, and uh, I can't remember who plays Spock, 
but those guys Zachary Quinto yes um I love those movies those movies are so good um but that is basically as far as it goes I haven't seen or tracked any of the TV series in any way shape or form so I know nothing at all (laughs) okay all right yeah the uh, there are some folks that call that J.J. trick um, because it was J.J. Abrams that uh, was responsible for the new film uh, adventures, basically, within um, Star Trek. So um, there's a lot of nuance, to, and we can get really in the weeds when it comes to um, timelines and continuity and canon and all other stuff, and that'll be for a different show, not today. Um, <laughs> That's good. So, so why why do this? Um, what's what's your motivation for um, being the guinea pig? I guess. <laughs> um, well, I consider myself pretty open minded when it comes to like movies and TV stuff. Um, I'll watch. I mean, aside from like some horror movies, I'm not a big horror person, but <laughs> like okay. I'll do everything from like musicals to old school film, like noir stuff to whatever, because um, I've taken a all sorts of different like film classes uh, through high school and college. So I'm like, I just kind of love everything in general in some way. Um, and I've always been a huge Star or Star Wars person. And I know there's a huge rivalry, of course, between the Star Wars and Star Trek people. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of piqued my interest. It's just, there's always new TV shows and movies and stuff coming out that, that get me distracted. but. You know, I'm definitely open for trying it, and I feel like it could definitely be something I could get sucked into. Sure, sure. There's, uh, I was talking to some people about this. Um, uh, one of our mutual friends, I was talking to to Ezra about this. That um, Star Wars and Star Trek are have like kind of scratched each other's backs um, <laughs> in, in the in the yeah. '60s, '70s, and '80s to a certain extent. And uh, I'm, I'm really hoping to to talk about that and maybe unpack that a little bit more um, on a future episode. So for anyone that'd be interested in that, you know, let me know and I'll definitely do it. Um, but you're right. There is, there is a rivalry of some kind. Um, it's just one of those like stupid turf wars, right? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, lightsabers know. versus phasers. <laughs> yeah. Like I know like when the new star Wars movies comes out, half of the people hating on star Wars are going to be sitting in the movie theater and then if J.J. Abrams drops another movie, half the Star Wars people are going to be sitting in the theater again, no matter how much crap they talk in between there. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we've heard of the, the fandom menace. Not the phantom, the fandom <laughs> menace. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with folks having opinions and, you know, being passionate about their stuff. But, you know, can we can we just, like, lay, lay low when it comes to, like, the toxic, hateful spewing of opinions? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. just, that's just it seems like that's all we're really hearing nowadays yeah Star Wars is the worst with that by far <laughs> well I mean when in my opinion I, I don't want to I don't want to go down that trail too much but you know like um, <laughs> who was it the the um, lady that played Rose in Last Jedi oh she, yeah she was she was vilified by the fans <laughs> so much that she like shut down all of her social media if I'm not mistaken yeah, no, no, she did. She's back now, but she did there for a while. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I also can't speak for the Star Trek fandom because I was—I've never really been a part of it. So. 
Well, I think I think the um, the, the Trek fans, um, just like any fandom, whether it's you know Star Wars, it's Doctor Who, it's Battlestar, Lord of the Rings, um, there are going to be the gatekeepers that are going to try and keep things pure and you know make sure there's no canon violations and and things like that. So I don't think that there's anyone that's innocent when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, I can I can argue lore, and I could probably be a jerk about something if I really wanted to, but I won't. Um, it it doesn't doesn't do anything. And yeah, you know, going going back to what you were saying a moment ago, how the only real exposure that you've had has been um, the J.J. Abrams films that started out in two thousand nine. Yeah. Um, what was your, you know, what was your first, uh, what was your experience with Star Wars? Let's let's talk about that. How, uh, what was your first Star Wars movie that you saw? Um, oh, it, it would would have been the original trilogy. I mean, because they're, you know, they've been around since before I have. Um, so I remember, I don't know. It's just like I couldn't really say an age. It's just like they've always been there. I just mm-hmm. remember being really little and always being obsessed with them, and then. I remember when episode one came out and losing my mind about how excited I was and episode two, but yeah, I started with the original trilogy, um, basically since I can remember. So early nineties, early mid nineties and yeah, it just kind of kept growing from there. And then all the video games got me sucked in even more. Sure. And, and that's that's the thing I think we need to remember is that whether it's episode one, which I don't get it because like the people that are, are complaining the loudest right now about episode one and two and three from the, the prequel trilogy of Star Wars, they're our age, right? They're they're in their their thirties yeah. ish and that's and they were the ten, eleven, twelve year olds or however old they were when that movie was coming out, the audience that it was intended for. And I think that's the thing that we need to remember is that for you, your first exposure to Star Trek was J.J. Trek, starting with the 2009 film. And mine was with Patrick Stewart with The Next Generation. So that was that's what sucked me in. So something one of these is going to suck each other into the fandom and we don't have to necessarily love it um, or even like it. We can just tolerate it. And that's okay, but it's it's the messages that are really speaking to the other people that really keep them coming back. So um, when it comes to Star Wars, like I haven't been too crazy about the sequel trilogy. I don't know too many people that really have been. I think the younger yeah. kids have because that's it's that's really what it's targeted for is the younger kids. Um, right. They've been nuts about it. I I mean I really enjoyed the prequel trilogy. Um, oh yeah. I thought Same. it was great. Like. I'm I'm all about political thrillers, and I think that's part of why I liked um, the prequel trilogy so much because it was more of a political thriller um, as a trilogy more than anything else. That's just my perspective. Um, and when it comes to Star Trek, um, like I've said just a moment ago, the Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek. I've probably watched that series, the Next Generation, probably at least 12 times all the way through all seven seasons i've seen the movies i can't tell you how many times like 
First Contact, which is the second Next Generation movie that came out in 1996. I have literally seen that probably close to 200 times without exaggeration. I just I love I love the stories. I love the characters um, that came from that particular series. Now there are folks today that their first Star Trek uh, is Discovery, which is a um, a show behind a paywall on CBS All Access. And it's not the typical Trek um, in terms of like the hopeful, optimistic future. It's a different kind of Trek, but it's still Trek. Um, right. So um, there, there are other folks um, that I'm sure would say like you need to start out with the very beginning, either with like the, the 1966 Star Trek or doing internal chronology with Star Trek Enterprise. Um, what would you what would you say to that? There's no right or wrong answer, but what should, what's your response to that? What do you think? Um, I mean, it's there's so many connections to Star Wars. It's crazy. It's like, you know, where do you start with someone who's never seen Star Wars before? Half the people are going to say episode one. Half the people are going to say episode four. And it's like, do you do the chronological order or the order of release or like and there, I mean, you're not can't really go wrong either way i guess but everyone has their preferences but for me i think getting into it um i don't know it's hard because i just know so little about it um i take it they're all like a continuation of each other or is it like different store storylines kind of going on at the same time or how does that work with those it's you know that's that's an interesting question it's a little bit of both actually okay Uh, um because like you have you have the William Shatner stuff that started in 66 that is, you know, cult level status with pop culture. Um, and the, there was actually an animated series that happened in the seventies. And then we had the, the six original cast movies. And so it's all, all Canon. It's all connected. And it wasn't really until you get to the nineties that it's still continuing. It's still advancing the entire historical narrative of what Gene Roddenberry's talking about. But you also have simultaneous stories going on, like you'll find out eventually um, with Deep Space Nine and Voyager um, that are basically occurring at the same time within within the the time frame. I should I should say. Long answer. Sorry about that, Phil. No, you're good. <laughs> um. Compared to Lord of the Rings, you know, technically the Silmarillion is the very beginning, but don't start there because it's going to bore you out of your mind and it's a really hard read. Start with the Lord of the Rings, which is the main fun, easy read storyline that everybody knows and loves, um, even though there is a chronological order there. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be, it kind of depends if, like, you know, the very first season um, that dropped was like, not the greatest and best thing and you know when you do like your polls of what which ones people love the most and that one's like kind of sits at the bottom each time um i probably wouldn't start someone there maybe mm-hmm. um but when like next generation and there's another one i can't remember which one it was but it was close to next generation um each time as being pretty popular deep space nine yeah um I don't know, probably start them there, and then you can always backtrack a little if they feel the need, or, you know, especially if the storylines are just kind of going on at the same time. I think it'll be a little better to get them 
plop them in somewhere where it's, they're going to get really sucked in easily and can track what's going on and who's who and whatnot and instead of, you know, something that they're not going to like and then it's just going to end up pushing them away. Sure. And, and um, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to hear, I think I might have rambled on about it in one of the, the episodes. Uh, part of my my story when it comes to how I was introduced to Star Trek was coming home from college in the um, the early 2000s and there it was on Spike TV for like three or four hour blocks and that's how I that's how I got through next gen like if it wasn't three or four hour blocks it was like maybe two hour blocks and it was like a different show or something but I watched it faithfully for however long it was and I got through it and um, started learning more about the other ones and it made me want to find out more about you know the series that were also going on in the 90s and eventually I did go back and watch the 1966 Star Trek um, and I was able to really appreciate it because I kind of knew where it would eventually lead to in terms of the adventures and the development so it, w- it was cool so I, I can I can see what you're saying about you know start someone off with Lord of the Rings don't go to the Silmarillion the Silmarillion is like reading the freaking like, King James version of the Bible right <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a car manual, but yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. in the middle of Baron and Luthien right now, and it's not any better. <laughs> yeah, I have, um, gosh, I have, what do I have? Um, I have the Silmarillion. I have Fall of Gondolin. Uh, Children of, is it Hurin? Am I saying that right? I say Hurin. Yeah, and, Hurin. and um, I'm just, I am missing... Baron and Luthien, that's the only one I don't have. So, I feel like I need to get that soon. <laughs> that's a good one. I figure going through those and then going back to the Silmarillion will help. <laughs> okay. Kind of understand. Because Silmarillion touches on like Baron and Luthien, Gondolin, and all those different things, but it's just such a hard read that maybe going through the stories separately themselves and then going back to it, it'll help kind of. That's my what I'm trying out now. <laughs> okay. So, we'll see. Okay. So, um, so you're going to be the guinea pig. You're going to, this is going to be your first, um, uh, you, you've kind of, you've kind of put your, your toe in the water when it comes to the movies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But now you're going to start wading out into this vast <laughs> ocean of Star Trek. All right. I'm re- uh, my body is ready. Is your mind and your heart ready as well? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, you made me nervous asking that question. <laughs> you know, I, th- I I hope that you'll enjoy it. Um, if you don't, then you don't. That's cool, too. Um, uh, so what I'd like to do is, um, you know, maybe once a month or as, as often as your schedule will allow uh, is for us to, to get together on an episode and let's talk about the two or three maybe four episodes that you watch at a time so uh what i want you to do is just put some notes together you know some some observations some some takeaways just like what really resonates with you uh whether that's emotionally spiritually it's something else just like what about this episode or this adventure or these adventures um it's just it's just jumping out at you um how's that sound Sounds good to me. I'm ready. All right. So um, this is, I, I will say that p- 
part of this um, is it's inspired by a couple different podcasts, one of which is yours. So um, like going through the lore and things like that, but also just having fun with it. Um, there, there are a lot of shows out there that just pick things apart, and I'd rather celebrate things than pick things apart. So that's just yeah. me. Uh, Phil, what I'm going to do is um, uh, send you on your way to um, check out the archives um, not of Middle Earth, but check out the historical re recordings of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, one thing that um, myself and probably other Star Trek fans will share with you is that um, early seasons of Star Trek, like a lot of shows, including The Office, uh, can be a little difficult to get through because they're still finding their footing. So typically it's right around um, early to mid season three before the show really finds its footing, which I think is the case with most shows. So just yeah. keep that in mind, um, but okay. also just react honestly to it as well. All right. Okay. I can do that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, we'll, we'll find some time to record here in the next uh, couple weeks to a month um, after you've had some time to look into it. Um, CBS All Access. Netflix, I think, are going to be your main two, unless you just really want to go buy the DVDs and Blu-rays at like a half-price books or something. <laughs> I'll try out a couple episodes, and then if I like it, you know, maybe okay. go out and buy them. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. Commitment. <laughs> All right, Phil. Well, thank you so much for uh, boldly going with us today. Um, you have um, a wonderful rest of your day, and we will catch you on the flip side. All right. Sounds good. Now, as we wrap up today, uh, I can't uh, thank y'all enough that have joined the group, uh, that are following us on uh, the various social media with our Facebook page, um, Instagram, as well as our Twitter. Uh, that is wonderful. Please, again, please, please tell your friends about this um, that uh, you'd like to to go on this journey with that and, and just for anyone that might like Star Trek um, all are welcome here uh, we're trying to create a friendly community of folks to um, just you know enjoy each other's company basically now apart from from liking our our social media page uh, or pages I should say uh, you can also support the show on patreon now uh, for those of you that are doing that already, first off, thank you so very, very much. Uh, it means the world to me that you would um, that you would do that. If if you want to to check it out, you can find a link uh, both in our Facebook page. You can find it on our Podbean page, um, or you can just go to Patreon.com/slash. These are the voyages. There are multiple tiers. That you can um, that you can sign up for with different benefits. Um, here in the very near future, I'll be getting a T-shirt design put together, and um, Patreon um, supporters will be getting a shirt sent to them. And there are other um, other benefits um, at the different tiers. So make sure you check it out. And uh, thank you in advance for those of you 
that decide to support the show financially with your gold-pressed latinum. And uh, that goes to all the Ferengi out there. Uh, thank you for, um, for investing with your latinum and for all the humans out there that are still living in the 20th and 21st century. Thank you also for supporting with uh, your finances as well. Uh, apart from supporting financially, please make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment on these episodes, on our pages. Uh, let us know how we're doing, um, your reactions to the shows that we're producing for you. This show is for you and for all of us to have some fun together. One final thing that I uh, almost neglected to mention is please get in contact with us. Apart from the social media, um, you can uh, make sure that you open hailing frequencies. Uh, you can send us your questions, your comments, and just other interactions. And there are multiple ways that you can get in contact with us. You can use the subspace channels of trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also um, do voice-only communications uh, by entering in 817-752-4757. Now, if you'd like to do long-range communications and send something our way, Make sure you enter in coordinates of P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Please keep in mind that uh, messages that you send us may be used in an episode of These Are the Voyages. And to add on to that, um, if, if, you've just been, if you've just joined us, and uh, regardless of, of where you are in, in your discovery of of Star Trek and engaging with it, would you would you please send um, your your Trek tale to us? Um, send that communication to us, and um, that way we can feature it in an upcoming episode of These Are the Voyages. So, thank you for that. So, uh, for today, uh, and as always. Um, thank you for hanging out with us at Lone Star Station here on These Are the Voyages. May you boldly go and make it so. Bye.